Thank you, Pastor Carl. You know, one of the cornerstones of any healthy relationship is communication. I'd like to give you just an unscientific approach to just observations of how communication is important in some of the relationships that, that I have. We have Lisa and I have two kids. David is 19 and he's a freshman in college. And Drew is 17. He's hanging out over there. He's a junior in high school. And I miss the days. Can I just vent with you real quick? I miss the days when I would come home from work and they would be just all about it. And daddy's home and jumping up and down and could not get enough of it. Drew, this is not a message directed just at you. It's just recognizing that longing for that childhood communication of all I needed to do was say, hey, how's your day? And it was just telling me about every movie they watched or toy that they played with or ways that their brother annoyed them. And it was just, it was fun because you couldn't get them to stop. And it was really awesome to watch that and to be a part of that. And then teenagers happened and communication changes. I don't want to, I don't want to discount it. and I don't want to downplay it. Communication just changes over time, but it's still very important to any relationship. David being a freshman in college now, my goodness, the communication patterns have changed. Conversations with him have now gone to text messages about Venmoing money and, you know, wondering what's going on and, and texting me in the middle of the night, calling me random times to talk about very random things. David, if you're watching, keep it up, pal. Uh, and then, but, but the communication has just changed. And when he's that far away, he's at Liberty University. When he's that far away, communication is not as natural and as free-flowing as it once was. Drew, trust me, this is not, just, this is not on you, kid. But Drew it takes after his old man in the sense that he's not exactly a morning person. So drives to school with him are, well, not eventful as far as communication is concerned. It's just a little bit... You know, he, he needs a little bit of time to get going and the drive to school is not exactly the time to get it going. So communication can be a little bit challenging in those moments. You need to learn how to pick your spots, especially with teenagers. Drew and I have our conversations later on at night. Then there's Lisa, and my goodness, does Lisa put up with a lot from me, and she has for years, and she's a saint in that regard. She is, she largely works from home and after a long day of work for me and I come home and sometimes my introverted self just gets the best of me and I just start glossing over as she wants to tell me about everything that's gone on and all the clients she's talked with and so many of the things that have happened in her day and she puts up with me because my communication skills need some improving at times too. And then there's Ridley. Oh, Ridley's our dog. We have two dogs, Rex and Ridley. Ridley's our younger dog, but he's the bigger dog. And he comes home and he's just like the kids were back in the day. He comes home and it's daddy's home and it's all about, and he actually tries to have conversations with you. And it's, yeah, communication is important for any relationship. I say that all affectionately just to underscore a little bit of humor, how important communication is to the health of any relationship. I have a good friend named Dan. Dan is the closest thing on this earth I have to a brother. I've known him, goodness, I feel older every time I say this now. I've known him since we started college together almost 30 years ago. 
My goodness. But Dan is someone that I, I can go months without talking to. But when I do talk to him, and we talked just recently, we pick up right where we left off as though nothing had changed. And the conversation just continues. And Dan is a brother in Christ. He's someone that I really depend upon. And, you know, even this past week while we were talking, he, you know, he asked me, hey, how can I be praying for you? But I understood it in that depth that goes beyond the surface. And we had a good conversation just getting into that level of communication. Oh, it's important to talk. Communication is the foundation point of any real relationship. And we live in a day and an age where, in one sense, communication has become infinitely easier than it's ever been. And on another level, communication has become infinitely, infinitely more complex than it's ever been. We could send a text message right now to someone living half a world away and they get it instantly. And yet, communication mediums have so increased, not just through text message or FaceTime, but through phone conversations and work meetings that just continue to go in social media platforms that the expectation level of our communication and response time has increased so much in the year 2022. Communication has increased, but the demands on our ability to communicate literally across the world have also increased. And while it's important to keep up with everybody, it's important to keep up with family and friends and work and, well, all kinds of responsibilities that we have, what about the most important communication of all, and that being communication with God? See, I believe that we live in a a day and an age where it's very convenient for us to be so preoccupied with keeping healthy communication patterns with everybody important in our lives as it should be. But God oftentimes is marginalized. And our communication with God is the most central relationship that we will ever hold to and ever keep. And yet we find creative ways to keep ourselves busy. Whether you're a student that's so focused on your schoolwork, right? Students? So focused on your schoolwork, trying to make sure you balance out school and work and play and parental relationships. Whether you're a young adult, a young professional trying to establish yourself and you're throwing yourself into your career, into your finances and trying to establish your life on your own. We keep ourselves plenty busy. Whether you're a young family who are, is completely overwhelmed with, well, just in a word, kids. Young family, it changes your entire world when kids come into your world. And it's not just a matter of balancing your career and your social life and your spiritual life and your church life. But now you've got kids. Or maybe you're an older family where you're still trying to balance all of those things. And you add in different sorts of financial stresses and tuition payments, which we are now in our family just recognizing the uh, immense pressures of more and more every day, it feels like. Maybe you're a grandparent. And we find ways to keep busy with all of those other things. Now you're talking about multiple generations of contact and responsibilities. And maybe you throw in a little bit of extra stress on the financial end or the empty nest side of life. Maybe you're a great grandparent and you feel overwhelmed by, well, nothing. You hit that stage, you're good. You don't need to worry about stress anymore. 
Amen. There it is. Yes. In all of these things, we find creative ways to keep ourselves busy. The whole point of today's message is that we never would marginalize the most important relationship of all, and that is God. And our communication with God is crucial. And as we're going to see today, this whole sermon is based on prayer. We've been going through this book, Eight Habits for Growth. And over the past few weeks, we have seen these habits take shape. We've made, we've made sure we study this. And I encourage you, if you haven't picked up this book yet, to please do so. We're midstream in this sermon series. And we've looked at ways that we can make time for God, as I just alluded to. The second habit that we've added is resting and refreshing and coming up with a sense of Sabbath in our lives where maybe that in itself has gotten marginalized. Last week, Pastor Paul took us through a study of engaging the Bible. And today we're going to talk about prayer. Well, today we're actually going to try to fuse together last week's message and prayer because we have a lot of scripture to cover today. So if you're watching online or here in our sanctuary, get ready because we're going to take some notes. I want to take us through three basic parts of prayer today. We're going to look at what is prayer, and then we're going to follow that up by asking the question, why is prayer so important? And then finally, we're going to dig into, well, how then should we pray? So let's dive right in and answer the question, or at least begin to answer the question, what is prayer? Prayer, first and foremost, is entering into God's presence and knowing that he hears us. When we pray, it's customary for us to start prayers in some form of dear God. But my challenge to us today is may we never lose sight of who it is that we're invoking when we say those words, dear God. May that never become rote or routine. May that never become trivialized in our minds. Every time we say those words, dear God, we are entering into the presence of God. There's a passage from 1 John chapter 5 that I want to put up here that will help us understand this. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, He hears us. Prayer brings us into the presence of God. And we have this assurance, not just through that passage, but through the full testament, excuse me, testament of the Bible, that when we do pray, God hears our prayers. Prayer is not just an exercise of meditation or a great practice to form or a great habit to grow in for our own benefit. It is all those things. But prayer brings us right into the presence of God. And you need to remember this. Every time we enter into prayer, God listens. He hears our prayers. So this communication, this foundation point of any relationship, there's a responsibility or more to the point of privilege on us to communicate with God. As we enter into his presence. Secondly, what is prayer? It is God speaking directly to us. Psalm 46.10 is such a great verse, a great reminder in so many ways to be still and know that I am God. It's one thing to draw into God's presence. It's another thing to be focused as we do so. 
As I mentioned earlier, we've made an art form of being distracted and in so many ways multitask in our world because we're so busy with the things of life that God gets marginalized. So sometimes, for some of us, we relegate prayer to, well, I'll just spend a few minutes doing that and as I'm praying, I'm going to just have my mind wander on all the things going on in my day. There's a challenge for us in prayer and that is to be still. I know that sounds so easy and so simple, but my goodness, is it hard. We enter into his presence. We invoke his name. And we pray to him. He deserves our, not just full attention, but he deserves our honor, our respect, our reverence of him. And how difficult it is for us to be still. Just, Just for a minute, hold on a second. Let's just try it. Let's be still. I'm going to time us for real quick. Just allow yourself to be still. That's hard, right? That's just a few seconds. Our minds wander so quickly, so often. Be still. Because prayer, being that communication, is a two-way street. And I know oftentimes we think that prayer is when we present all our requests to God. And we're going to get into that scripture too. But prayer is also when God speaks to us, but it's difficult for God to speak to us when we aren't really fully listening as we've distracted ourselves with so many other things. We need to just stop and be still and allow God to speak into our lives. That's what prayer is. It's communication. Thirdly, prayer is every emotion that we can experience poured out to God. Let's say that again. Prayer is every emotion that we can experience poured out to God. And I tried to find a scripture that that would fit this one. But the volume of scriptures wouldn't fit on a slide or or multiple slides. Just go through the book of Psalms as an example. There are 150 of them to choose from. And the Psalms represent the Bible's prayer book, the Bible's hymnal, the Bible's songbook. But what the Psalms are are Heart cries out to God from David, from Moses, from others. In the Psalms, you will find prayers written down and recorded with every human emotion from anger and frustration to despair, to mourning, to joy, to confession. In the book of Psalms, you see every raw emotion that David was feeling in some moments when he was fleeing for his life and in other moments when the joy of God could not be contained and he had to write it out in prayers. When we enter into God's presence and we stop and we quiet ourselves and we are still before him, and in many ways we hear from God, we also have an opportunity to share with God everything. And I think sometimes that gets lost on us. Sometimes we feel like we need to say the right things in the right ways so that we don't offend God, but we forget that we are speaking to the one who created us, the one who knows everything before it even leaves our lips, the one who knows the emotions on our hearts even more than we do. 
and he wants to hear from us. That's what prayer is. And that's why it's so important in the life of a follower of God. That we live in this relationship and we have the ability to communicate to God the things that frustrate us just as much as we communicate to God the ways in which we marvel at who he is. That's what prayer is. It's entering into his presence. It's allowing him to speak into our lives. It's every raw emotion and it's so much more. Prayer is also confession. Fourthly, prayer... The Bible is so clear that we are called to confess our sins to God. And 1 John chapter 1 helps us here. It, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. There's that element of prayer that we need to be able to come to God, not just with our raw emotions, but with our raw spiritual state as we understand ourselves and lay ourselves bare before him. Oh, we can posture ourselves in front of other people, but we can't do so in front of God. God calls us to confess our sins to him. Oh, that's uncomfortable though. That's the hard part of the relationship where we, we, we have to speak what we know is wrong in our spirit and confess the ways in which we dishonor God, the ways that we go against God's direction for our lives and his will for our lives. But the Bible says that as often as we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. This is part of the cornerstone of that relationship that we have with our heavenly father that we know he loves us. So when you pray, pray boldly. And there's no need to hide from God because that's impossible. What is prayer? Fifthly, prayer is spiritual power. James chapter five. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. This confession again. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. There is a spiritual power. I say this reverentially. There is this mystic power that comes upon us in prayer that we have the ability to have the Holy Spirit work through us and to influence our lives and the lives of those around us. We get to intercede on behalf of others. Prayer moves mountains. Prayer makes a difference in our lives and the lives of those that we care about and that we seek God for. This is scratching the surface with what prayer is Hopefully you're understanding why it's important, but let's go very specifically there for a little bit. Why is prayer so important? There are four things I want to communicate to you about why it's important. And truth be told, there's a lot of scripture here. In fact, truth be told, I struggled with preparing this message because of the overwhelming volume of prayer contained in the Bible. Old Testament and New Testament testimonies, not just the book of Psalms, but the, you read through the chronicled prayers of the Bible and you begin to understand there's such a rich, deep theology of prayer contained in here. Well, let's scratch the surface with why prayer is important. Prayer is important because it is our supernatural strength in times of trouble. One of my favorite Psalms to go to is Psalm chapter 40. Just listen to the emotion of David as he seeks God in this moment when he needs God the most. 
Verses one and two from Psalm 40, he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. I preached on this passage a long time ago here at our church. Why is prayer important? Because when we pray, it becomes our supernatural strength, not because of anything that we possess, but because God himself will meet us. He will hear our cries for prayer. He will meet us wherever we are at, and he will lift us up from whatever you're struggling with. I believe there are some of us that need to hear this word today. You need supernatural power because life feels hopeless and you don't know where to turn to and there's nobody on this earth that could understand the depth of your pain and sorrow and need in this time of trouble. Prayers that remind us that there's always someone who understands exactly where you are and is ready to take you by the hand and lift you up out of that pit and put you on solid ground. This is why we pray. Because God knows us and God has the power to change our life situation. Granted, it might not be in the ways that we think it will change. In fact, it's probably pretty much a guarantee that it won't be exactly how we draw it up. But God knows us better than we know ourselves. And he will lift us up and put our feet on solid ground. Why is prayer important? Because prayer centers us when we are tested. We're going to go to Jesus as our example here. If Jesus himself went to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was tested, when he was at his wit's end, we can use this same passage as inspiration for our lives. How much more will God meet us? Let's just read this account from Matthew 26 from the Garden of Gethsemane. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to him, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground. And he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Friends, even Jesus himself needed to pray when he was tested. God is there with us when we are desperately in need of him. And he, this is why we pray. You see it in Christ in the garden and we see it play out in our own lives. And it's worth noting what Jesus said, not as I will, but as you will. This is why we pray. Third, we pray because prayer puts life in its needed perspective. We're going to go to Philippians 4 for this one. Philippians 4, this is one of the the most quoted passages in the New Testament. It's one of my favorite passages. Uh, We're going to start at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Oh, prayer puts life in its needed perspective. Verse four starts off by saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Now let's just put that in its proper perspective. Let's go through 2020 and 2021. And as we turn a page to 2022, I'm sure there've been many moments to rejoice in, but culturally in our global situation with pandemics and inflation and political divide that has taken us and has separated us out further from each other and has destroyed community, world conflicts and plenty of things to be worried about. It's not easy to read rejoice in the Lord always. If we're left to our own devices and we don't go back to prayer, we could run the risk of losing that perspective because life feels so overwhelming. And I just talked about what's going on on the global scale. Forget my life and my relationships and my personal family finances falling apart and my despair and all the troubles that I individually face or my family's going through. Oh, it can be overwhelming. Prayer puts it back into its proper perspective. I'm going to just read this and I want these words to just wash over you. That the peace of God that transcends all all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I believe that there are those who really needed to hear just that word today as well. Prayer puts our lives in its proper perspective. It is not overwhelming. It just feels overwhelming at times. And God invites us into this relationship with him to communicate to him, to hear from him, This is why we pray. Because without prayer, our lives feel unnecessarily overwhelming. And we forget that there is this God who's there, who loves us, who's waiting to allow us to be able to rejoice, even in the midst of the pain. That when we go to him with prayers and petitions and with thanksgiving, and we present our request to him, in those ways, that he will give us that peace that we desperately need and is so elusive. Finally, (laughs) yeah, finally. Finally, as we scratch the surface with why we pray, prayer is a weapon in our spiritual warfare. Oh, again, the accounts just in the book of Acts alone, the accounts of this are too many to write down here, but just let me take you to one. As a couple of the apostles in Acts chapter 4 were preaching Christ and seeing miraculous things happening and healing people, they were brought before the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin and the, and the leaders of the Jewish community there, they didn't like any of this because the, the apostles were doing so in Jesus' name and they were being bold in their faith. So they were thrown in jail. So as a way to intimidate them, the, the authorities, they threatened these disciples of Jesus Christ tried to intimidate them, not just with jail time, but, but with other threats that were made. So we're picking up the story here, the narrative in verse 29, a, a little bit midstream. I encourage you to read the full account later. Verse 29 of Acts 4, it says, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand 
to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Prayer is a spiritual weapon that we are called to use. If we are trying to change our worlds and the world around us and the community around us and our families and our situations and all the persecution that we experience and the persecution that others experience across this globe, if we're trying to do that on our own strength, you know what's going to happen? Not much. But when we use prayer as a spiritual weapon in our arsenal. That's when the power of God changes everything. That's when the place that they're meeting in was shook. That's when the Holy Spirit filled the room. And that's when the apostles went out and spoke boldly. Prayer gives us that spiritual confidence that we definitely need. So what is prayer and why is it important? Hopefully you've seen a whole lot of scripture today help to inform that for us. And the time we have left, I want to talk really quick about how we should pray. Because one of the most important questions, one of the most common questions I receive as a pastor all the time, and people look at their own prayer lives, they feel ill-equipped to do so. And we've spoken about this before as well. They don't know how to do it. They don't know how to pray. And they forget that prayer is communication with God and they feel as though they have to have a certain degree. They have to have a certain level of education in order to pray the right way. A lot of people that come from different parts of Christianity feel unworthy to pray. They feel like they need to go to someone, a priest or a pastor, in order to have them pray for them. And you forget the power of God that's right here in front of us in the way that Jesus taught us to pray. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 6, the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus teaches us how to pray. I'm just going to read Jesus' preamble to this first, and then we'll get into probably the most famous prayer in all of history. In Matthew 6, Jesus says this. He says, And when you pray, You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, For they they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then here's the cliffhanger at the beginning of verse 9. Pray then like this. And we'll get into that. But real quick, before we go to the Lord's Prayer, just a few words about this section. Jesus is sharing with us how to pray. Even before the text of the Lord's Prayer, he's sharing with us our posture in prayer should be that of humility. Our posture in prayer should not be prideful, like as he references here, the hypocrites do. May that serve as an inspiration for all of us to take away the intimidation factor of prayer. You're not praying so that other people can 
hear the fancy words that you use. That other people can understand, wow, that person, that the, boy, they've been a Christian for a while. They're such a good prayer. Jesus tells us specifically here, it's not what it's about. You're praying to God. Your personal prayer life should be focused on God and God alone. Now, just as a side note, this does not mean, Jesus is not saying here, that there's no room for corporate prayer. When God's people are gathered together, and you see plenty of biblical evidences of this, Old Testament and New Testament. When God's people are together, there's plenty of room, and not just room for, there's an invitation and a calling to pray together as the church. Jesus is saying, check your heart and your motivation for prayer first. If it's to hear yourself talk, you get some more thinking to do before you enter into prayer. Some of the most profound prayers that I've ever heard have been the simplest ones. I've shared this story in times past. I went to school at uh, Gordon College. And at Gordon, I think they still do this, but back in the day, uh, Gordon, we had a 10 o'clock at night, every Sunday night worship service. It was unplugged worship. It was a piano, acoustic guitar, there's no PowerPoint. And about 400 students packed into a chapel about half the size of this room. And we call the catacombs. I think they still do this every Sunday night. And if I, that is some of the most powerful worship I've ever experienced. And one of my good friends, uh, Gordon, his name is Brian. They asked, they would rotate through and ask different people to pray to close out the, the night. And I remember this almost 30 years later. Brian closed out our time at catacombs this night by saying these words. God, there's a long pause there. He was trying to find the right words. God, you're the man. You changed my life. And I don't have the right words to say. But thank you. That was it. That type of a simple prayer comes from the depths of someone's soul who knows that their life has been changed by God. That's not praying like a hypocrite. That's praying from a place that God knows in your soul. So those of us who might be intimidated with prayer, take heart. And be inspired by this and know that God is with you. And all he's after is your heart. No Shakespearean sonnet. You've heard me say that before. No Shakespearean sonnet needed. You don't need to pray in the King James Version of the Bible. He just wants you. So let's just take a few more moments. And let's go through the way that Jesus taught us to pray. The words are going to be on the screen. I know we all grew up learning different versions of this. Some of us grew up with the King James version of this, as I did. But let's just read together, out loud, the words on the screen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Wait, I know some of you want to add on that benediction at the end, right? Now, just, just as a biblical nerd perspective here, that's not in the text. That's sort of a benediction at the end that's given to us. For land is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. There's nothing wrong with saying that. That's a beautiful way to close out a prayer. What Jesus does here through the Lord's Prayer is he gives us a model, a way to pray in addition to actual words to pray. Reciting the Lord's Prayer together has been one of the staples of this church for 2,000 years. There's power in those words that Jesus commands us to pray. But it's not just about those actual words. It's about this, the way in which he brings us into the presence of God through this prayer. I don't want to do it just justice, but I do want to quickly mention this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, starts our prayers off by focusing on the name of God, the holiness of God, who God is, who we are not, and how much he is worthy of our worship. Hallowed, holy be his name. You just spend time, just five minutes focusing on the name of God and his holiness and it'll bring you right in the presence of the Lord your kingdom come speaking about recognizing what has happened through Jesus Christ that the kingdom of God has been unleashed on planet earth granted it's not in its fullness of form yet but the kingdom is here it is praying prayers for the church and over God's church that God will continue to use his church. It is praying prayers. Your kingdom come being focused on that future. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come. When the fullness of the kingdom is realized, allow your prayers to go there and see what God does. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This has such a personal aspect to it. That God's will would be done. It's the same prayer that Jesus prayed in Gethsemane. Not my will, but your will be done. It is laying down myself and allowing God to use my life and to work through me to accomplish his purposes in my life. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's true of us as individuals. We pray that prayer. And that's true of us as the church as we pray that prayer. Just spend five minutes focused on God's will being done in my life, in my family, my community, in my church, and in this world. Give us this day our daily bread. As those words were being uttered, the context of that, it's, we struggle to really fully understand because give us this day our daily bread communicates our sustenance. We can go to Hannaford's, Price Chopper, Whole Foods, whatever grocery store you go to. And we can push the shopping cart through many, many aisles of food. When they were in, in this ancient culture, this prayer for daily bread was a literal prayer for sustenance that God would provide for my every need. How many of us humble ourselves enough in prayer? To pray for God to provide for our needs and not our wants. There's a difference there. Pretty important one. Just spend five minutes thanking God for the ways that he provides for us. And praying for your sustenance. What you need. 
allow God to change your life through that. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. There's that confession again. A day does not go by that we don't deserve, that we don't need God's grace because we don't deserve it. Yet God gives us his grace regardless. Calls us his own, his sons and his daughters. God, forgive me. Spend five minutes or five hours praying through that. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's a recognition of all those relationships that are so important to us and it keeps us humble. Spend time in prayer recognizing who God has brought into your life. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Spend five minutes or five hours or five days praying for God's protection, his provision over your life. Recognizing the ways in which God has saved you. Understanding the spiritual battle that continues to rage and calling on God's power to meet you in this spiritual battle. There's such a method to what Christ has given us here in the Lord's Prayer. It's not a formula. It's not just something only to be repeated. This is Jesus speaking to us and telling us when you pray, enter into God's presence with these things and watch how God changes your life. But here's the question. Why are we so bad in communicating the most important things in our world to the most important being in the universe who loves us more than we could ever imagine and longs to talk to us. Why are we so bad in our communication? Hopefully this morning you understand more about what prayer is and why it's so important and how to do this. So hopefully you're challenged today to change your prayer life. Give God more than maybe just Five minutes, even though that's one of the ways in which this book challenges us to begin. If you need a starting point somewhere, you've got it. And this book will continue to challenge you with these habits as it builds over the course of this week. It's a phenomenal chapter to read in this book. But I don't want to take it even further than that today. I want to challenge us in, in very big ways to allow God to speak to us and change us through prayer. The text is not going to be on the screen, but Mark chapter 1, verse 35, last scripture I'm going to mention. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he being Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Make this time happen. Some of us, the early risers, the, the early morning people, like, yes and amen. That works for me early in the morning before it's light out. I am not one of those people, just so you know. I'm more the night owl. But the point is, whatever time frame works for you, make it a priority. Communication is the foundation of any relationship. And as you begin to communicate with the Lord more, you will grow closer to him. This is more than just a habit. This is a way of life for us. Understand that there is a God out there who loves you more than you could possibly imagine, who's longing to talk to you every day. Understand that he's 
listening, waiting for you to speak to him and pour out your entire heart to him. And understand that he's waiting to speak to us if we would just humble ourselves to listen. Affectionately and poetically and practically and powerfully. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ways that you continue to speak to us. Lord, the ways that you speak to us, not just through your word in scripture, but you speak to us in these moments of prayer. So right now, in this moment of worship, we humble ourselves, we focus on you, and we just stop. Father, teach us to be still and know that you are God. Teach us the deeper ways of prayer. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening, and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen.